Hello, my dear friend. Marcus stopped abruptly in the middle of the grass. A woman in a blue dress was already sitting on the crisis bench. He didn't recognize the dress. She looked up from where she was sitting. Sorry, he said, holding up his hands. I didn't think anyone would be over here. He didn't think you remembered an introduction to anyone in that dress. It was a memorable sort of dress. I believe I ran into your mother inside, he ventured, because he ran into so many mothers. She's not here, she said, which was not what he wanted to hear and which he absolutely could not handle at the moment. Right, he said, trying to recover, pretending as if he'd just remembered something. Your father. We haven't met, she interrupted. I'm not anyone. Oh, thank God, he said, abandoning propriety to collapse into the bench, dropping his head between his knees. Thank you. Too many people, she said sympathetically. I'm really bad with faces, he admitted. A lot of people are, she assured him. He dragged his hands down his face. I just confused a duke with a waiter. She bit her lip. As long as you aren't rude to waiters, you should be fine, she said. I wasn't rude, he said. I'm, I'm never rude. It would have been better if I was rude. He buried his face in his hands. I tipped him, he said, anguished, muffled by his palms. Why had he been dressed like a waiter? She burst out laughing, loud and with her head tipped back, overwhelming the empty garden. He separated his fingers to stare at her. Sorry, she hiccuped, which immediately descended back into snorts. She laughed like she was hunting for truffles. Thanks, he said, and though he almost did feel better, I'm feeling very supported in my time of need. There's only one thing you can do, she said, wiping tears from her eyes, trying to dab at them to not destroy her makeup. Reflexively, he offered her a handkerchief, which she accepted. You have to flee the country. It's the only way. She checked the handkerchief for signs of smeared eyeliner. Leave your family. Change your name. Get a new family. Never tell them your dark secret. I think my old family might notice if I got a new family, he said, now resting his chin in his hands, elbows balanced on his knees. That is why you have to burn your house down, she said, matter-of-factly, now holding his handkerchief in a neat fold in her lap. Just burn the whole thing. Everything but your favorite hat. You leave the hat on top of the ashes for your family to find. This must be him, they'll say. He would never have left his favorite hat. It's the perfect crime. Once it's done, you become a pig farmer. Anyone comes around asking questions, you feed them to the pigs. You seem to have put a lot of thought into this, he observed. How are your pigs? She looked at him sidelong. Hungry, she said primly. Forget I asked. He glanced around them, this area of the garden lit only by moonlight. You really should have a chaperone, he realized. If we get caught here, alone, there will be an awful scandal. She snort laughed again. Oh, please, I'll be gone by morning. Anyway, can't be scandalous if no one knows who I am. Who are you? Your subtlety leaves much to be desired, she said.
Unless you start stitching your name onto your dresses, it's not as if it will do me any good, he pointed out. I told you, I'm bad with faces. That also lacks subtlety, she said. If it were me, she paused to think, there's seven colors. Multiply that by about four shapes. They sell wooden beads in all different shapes. I've seen them. Assign a combination to every letter of the alphabet and give bracelets to everyone you know who might get offended if you forget their name. They clearly think they're important, so they're obligated to be flattered if you give them a gift. That sounds hideous, he said, imagining colors and shapes chosen with no thought to aesthetics, reds next to pinks in a series of random shapes. Exactly, she said. They'd look awful, like a child made them. That's what makes it a power move, he giggled. Oh no. Every time you see them, you'll check their wrists, and they'll think you're checking to see if you wore their special gift. If you forget their name, they'll assume they're being snubbed for being ungrateful. They'll have no choice but to wear this terrible-looking thing to prove their loyalty. That's terrible, he said. I don't even think it would help me, actually. Sure, if you want to make it all about you, she said, and he giggled again. I should get back in there before my sister destroys something. My sisters destroy something, he sighed. Let them, she said, fidgeting with his handkerchief. Her feet were swinging a little beneath the bell of her skirt. I'll flatten against the bench. I can't, he said. I'm the responsible one. That's why you should, she insisted. If you don't make them deal with the consequences the first time, they'll just keep doing it. Every time, you'll tell them their actions have consequences, and every time, they'll tell you that it will be fine. But then you'll take care of it, and so they'll be right. It adds up. The next thing you know, you're managing the entire house, and you have a side business selling barely worn dresses, on top of being the only one who remembers that chimneys need to be cleaned. And it's all because you didn't have the foresight to just let the house burn down the first time. He drummed his fingers against his cheek. I feel like I'm beginning to get a lot of insight into what happened to your old family, he said. She, she smoothed out her skirt. It wasn't easy giving up my favorite hat, she agreed. Why are you out here on the crisis bench? he asked. Is that what this is? That's what people call it, he said. He was the only one who called it that. Shouldn't you be dancing? She frowned. If that was the word for it, her lips turned dramatically downward at the corners, pursing so hard they nearly touched the bottom of her crinkled nose, brow furrowing. It was a passable impression of an angry fish. That was the plan, she said, letting the expression go. It wasn't a good plan, because I've never learned how to dance, and I'm not wearing practical shoes. Rookie mistake, he said. I see it all the time. He listened carefully. The barest hint of music was filtering out from the ballroom. If you wanted, he offered. You could take your shoes off, and I could show you some steps. She chewed it over, along with her lower lip. Just a little, she agreed, standing. He noticed that she'd tucked his handkerchief into a pocket of her skirt. I'll have to fig I'll have to figure out how to do this, he admitted, standing as well. 
When my sister was little, I could just let her stand on my feet. But you... He tilted his head to get a better look as she stepped out of her shoes, which, under other circumstances, would have been deeply inappropriate. It was still fairly inappropriate. Never mind. You can do that. You've got weird little baby feet, actually. I do not. She protested, smacking his shoulder with the back of her hand, giving him another little fishy frown. So forward, he said with feigned shock. This really was a scandal waiting to happen. Oh, hush, she said, faintly pink. It isn't as if you're anyone important anyway. He giggled at the bald-faced lie of it. Yes, he agreed, taking her hand. I am but a humble pig farmer. I'm not going to stand on your feet, she added, setting her hand stiffly on his shoulder. You're giving up the primary advantage of weird baby foot disease, he said, trying to lead her. She was slow to follow, and it put them entirely off rhythm. I have no such thing, she said. He couldn't tell if she was making a face again because she was staring directly downward at her feet, leaving him looking at her perfectly styled hair. It was a very pretty shade of blonde, from what he could tell in the half-dark. The whole of her, from her hair to her dress to her stocking-clad toes, seemed to sparkle in the moonlight. Mm. I see exactly what happened here, he said confidently. You met a fairy, she looked up at him, startled bumping into his stomach as she failed entirely to follow his lead. Her eyes were a pale blue. He'd have to try and remember that. You asked for daintier feet, so it stole some from a baby. This time, she definitely made that face at him again, with the addition this time of narrowed eyes, turning it into a scowling goldfish. Somewhere, out there, is an infant, with what I can only assume are a truly massive set of clompers, considering how desperate you were to get rid of them. You're terrible, she told him. It's no wonder I'm the only one who will dance with you. He swallowed another giggle as she turned up her nose and continued to move with all of the grace of an overburdened mule. Have you seen dancing before? He asked with a certain sense of wonder. Any dancing? I'm doing this on purpose, she lied, to make you suffer. It's a power move. I'm not convinced you know what a power move is. I have a lot of them. You can't just call it a power move every time you're bad at something. It's worked out great for me so far, she said loftily. Yes, just look at you, he said, getting private dance lessons from... The clock tower rang. She froze again, this time squeezing his hand too tight. It can't be midnight, she said, horrified. It must be he said, but she'd already let him go and run to grab her shoes. He was left standing in the grass, empty-handed, blinking in surprise. I took too long, she moaned. I didn't even get to see the prince. You didn't? As she grabbed her shoes to carry them, one of them whacked into the crisis bench, shattering. This was, to put it lightly, atypical behavior for a shoe. Oh, that's not good, she said. She dropped the one remaining shoe and then and the broken remains of the other, like a set of hot potatoes. These shoes were a bad idea, and I hate them. She complained to no one. She picked up her skirts and started to run from the garden, the bells of the clock tower ringing. He realized with some horror that she was leaving. D do you have a curfew? He called after her, as if that would explain it, but she disappeared behind a hedge. Slowly, he walked over to pick up the remaining good shoe. He looked over the little glass slipper. There were impractical shoes, 
and then there was impractical. I don't understand anything that just happened. What am I looking at? The queen asked, surveying her sitting room. The crown prince was on the floor, squinting at scrolls. Marcus met his true love, Princess Teresa said, sitting on the couch. But he forgot to ask her name because he's dumb. So now he's looking at the guest list. I never said she was my true love, he insisted, staring at names like they'd somehow be indicative of personality. I like her, that's all. At this point, the queen said, I'm willing to settle. What did she look like? Blonde, he said. There, there were a lot of blondes, the queen said. She had her hair up, he said. Everyone had their hair up. Blue dress. It was a popular color this year blue eyes. That doesn't narrow it down as much as you might think. Perhaps, the royal advisor suggested, his highness might like to describe her face for one of our artists to see if anyone might recognize her. Marcus continued staring at the guest list, trying to divine its secrets. Her face, Princess Gloria said from the chair. What did she look like? She had a nose, said Marcus eventually. Well, thank God for that, the queen said, snapping her fan open. I don't remember details, he said impatiently. I know that she's pretty, and when she gets annoyed, she makes a face like this. He screwed up his face like he was angrily trying to kiss the bridge of his own nose, squinted at the royal advisor. Radiant, your highness. What? exactly were you looking at if you don't remember her face? Gloria wondered. Well, she... No, that's hard to explain. Oh, Lord, the queen said, fanning herself. Don't tell me. As long as you stared out of, out of her skirts, I don't need to know. It was sticking out of her skirt at the time, he said. Marcus! The queen hit him upside the head with her fan. Oh, what? She had to take her shoes off. She wore bad ones. Rookie mistake, Gloria said. Oh, she had itty-bitty feet, he said, like hooves. This just keeps getting better, the queen said. Did she have distinctive features we can ask about without sounding psychotic? Gloria wondered. Her laugh, Marcus remembered with a snap of his fingers. It was really loud and maybe a little nasal. She got her nose involved. The queen tapped her fan against her hand. Did you fall in love with a donkey? She asked finally. Because I've seen that play. It wasn't meant to be. I will not tolerate a donkey-in-law. I would, Teresa, Tessa piped up. There were no fairies involved, he insisted. Except for the one that stole her feet. Is that all? Gloria said. Obviously, we need to narrow this down, Marcus said, trying to toss the scroll dramatically into the air. It was too long for it and flopped sideways. This is a long shot but we know anyone whose house burnt down after money trouble. What is this woman you're suggesting we bring into our home? The queen demanded. I'm desperate, he said. I'd know her if we could talk again. We had a rapport. It sounds as if you were seduced by an arsonist with dreams above her station, the queen said. She didn't even know it was the prince, he said. Sounds fake. Teresa, Tessa said. 
Of course she didn't recognize me, Marcus insisted. When someone... He started digging around the papers on the floor, eventually standing and finding the proclamation he was looking for on an end table. He held it up pointedly towards his mother. Keeps making me look skinny on the posters. He jabbed a finger at the woodcut rendition of what was meant to be his own face. The queen pursed her lips, just slightly, with the tiniest sniffle of her nose. It's not flattering, she murmured. How is anyone supposed to recognize me if you leave off the double chin, he demanded grabbing at the extra bit of flesh beneath his jaw. It wasn't as bad as he seemed to think it was. Don't shake it at me like a waddle, the queen said with disgust, as he did exactly that. It's just baby fat, she added. I'm 26, he said, pitching his voice lower. He tossed the poster over his shoulder where it drifted anticlimactically to the floor. I'm still not convinced she's real, Gloria said. It sounds like you drank too much and tried to marry a donkey. That was a goat, and it happened one time, and I'm sick of hearing about it. Oh, Lord, the queen said, fanning herself again. Look, look, I wasn't going to show you because I knew you were going to make fun of me. But here, he opened up a bureau drawer and pulled out the little glass slipper. She was in a hurry. She left her shoe. I kept it because it's made out of glass, and that's absolutely buck wild. Obviously, I didn't get this from a donkey. Wow, Gloria said. She's got a bad case of weird baby foot disease. Yeah, that's what I said, Marcus agreed, sounding vindicated. If his highness would permit me, the royal advisor said, holding out a hand. Reluctantly, Marcus surrendered the slipper. It is possible, he suggested, that we might seek out a blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman capable of wearing such a shoe. It would certainly narrow down things to a reasonable number. I'm not hiring royal foot inspectors to start going door-to-door -door through the kingdom, Marcus said, putting his hands on his hips. I don't need that energy in my life. I'd rather die alone, burn the castle down myself, because no one here appreciates me. Don't be a drama queen, the queen said. I am a drama prince, falling onto a fainting couch with one hand against his forehead. And people love that about me. For the record, the first thing I'm burning... Is that painting? He pointed to a crude canvas meant to resemble a dog. I hate it. I've always hated it, and I'm not going to pretend I like hideous things anymore. I decided that recently, for unrelated reasons. Obviously, everyone hates the painting, the queen said impatiently. We can't just burn it. It was a gift from the Duke of Cottingshire. If he came over and didn't see it, he'd be offended. Marcus shot upright. A power move, he gasped. Does the Duke of Cottingshire have a daughter? Childless, the queen said, and Marcus wilted, sinking back into the fainting couch. Okay, yeah, we're going to have to do the foot inspector thing. Very good, your highness. It's not, though. It's, it's just, it's, it's really not. This has been Face Blind Prince Charming. Be well, my friend.